Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I pray everybody's having a good day today and you're ready to jump back into the Word of God. We are doing a series about seeing the Messiah throughout Scripture. Starting in the Old Testament, we're going to work our way through to the New Testament. So far, we have covered Genesis, where we looked at the creation of mankind, and we went through to the fall of man and how God promised the Messiah, the concept of Messiah. He didn't actually use the terminology Messiah, but we see the concept of the Messiah there who is going to come and crush the serpent, crush Satan. And we know as we read through Scripture, that's Jesus. And then we have looked at the covenant that God made with Noah and how we see the Messiah in that covenant. We looked at the Abrahamic covenant and how we can see the Messiah in that covenant as well. We also looked at the story where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, where God provided a substitute, and we talked about how that was a foreshadowing to the Messiah who was to come. Then we looked at the Mosaic covenant. We looked at how the Messiah was in there too. You could just see Jesus all in that covenant, had the the foreshadowing to Jesus, the pointing towards Jesus, the Messiah to come. And we talked about the commandments. We talked about the sacrificial system and the priest and now how Jesus is our high priest. And now we are going to jump back in in the Davidic covenant, and then we will look at the Messiah in the prophets and the writings, and we'll see how far we get today. But before we do, let's first go to our Heavenly Father in prayer and just ask the Holy Spirit to guide us today and to teach us. Father, we praise you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for your word. You give us your word, and Holy Spirit, you teach us. Father, you are amazing. You are awesome. You are wonderful. You are highly exalted and to be praised forever and ever and ever. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word today and just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will teach us, guide us, direct us into all truths. Give me the words to say. I often pray, Holy Spirit, teach me so I can teach others. And so I just ask you to do that today, Father God. And Lord, just bless those who are listening today. We thank you for the Joy FM. Continue to bless the ministry of the Joy FM. Thank you for every opportunity you give us to proclaim your gospel, Jesus, to this wonderful city of Dothan, Wiregrass, and actually throughout the world with the internet. So, Father, we just pray that hearts will be touched today, that those who don't know you don't have that relationship with you, Jesus, that today will be their day. They call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And just pray, God, that believers will just get more excited about your word, more excited about telling others about your word. And Father, that your people will be encouraged today. Father, I pray that you will be glorified in it all. So we give you praise, all honor, and all glory. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So the next major covenant we're looking at is we're progressing through the Bible. And we have looked at these covenants before. And it's always good to go back over the Word of God. The Holy Spirit almost always gives us something new, something fresh. And I want to encourage you, too, if you would like to go back and listen to previous messages about the Messiah through the Bible, we're just the third week of it. So you can go back and look up our Love and Action podcast. You can find that pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen it's probably there. So just look up the Love and Action podcast, and you can look at all of the messages that we share here on Sunday Morning of Love and Action, and you can go back and listen to those two as well. Let's get rolling. Second Samuel chapter 7. 
is where we see God make covenant with David. And he's promising a king through David's offspring who would rule an everlasting kingdom. And even though that word covenant is not specifically used, it is a covenant. Everything is there for a covenant. And it is actually mentioned as a covenant in Psalms chapter 89, verse 3. And this is an unconditional covenant that's made between God and David through which God promises David and Israel an eternal king, the Messiah who would come through the lineage of David and the tribe of Judah and would establish a kingdom that would endure forever. As you first start reading this, you might start thinking, hey, he's talking about David. And then you quickly realize, no, he's not talking about David. Well, maybe he's talking about Solomon, his son, but then you realize, no, that's not the case. He's talking about the Messiah, one who is going to come and, like we mentioned, establish. God's going to establish a kingdom that would endure forever. And I'm going to give you some scriptures here. We're not going to read them, but if you can write them down, write them down. If not, go back to the podcast and listen. But check out First Chronicles chapter 17, verses 11 through 14. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 16. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Jeremiah 30, verse 9, Isaiah chapter 7, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, and Isaiah 11, verse 1. Then into the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33, and verse 69, and then Acts 13, 34, and Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. But let's look at a few of these scriptures anyway. Let's look at Jeremiah 23, verse 5, where the prophet writes, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and dwell wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Then Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and furthermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see that everlasting kingdom God is talking about. It's going to come through David. Such an awesome promise. In Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33, we see Gabriel talking to Mary. And he says, talking about her son who is going to be the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. Gabriel says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So again, we see the Davidic kingship, the line of David, and it's led all the way up to Jesus, who in this passage right here was being revealed to Mary that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, this Messiah Jesus is going to rule kingdom that has no end, everlasting kingdom. And then we see it mentioned in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, and Jesus is speaking here, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. So we see the Messiah throughout the Davidic covenant which, as I mentioned earlier, is in Second Samuel chapter 7. And let's look at a, a verse from there. This is Nathan the prophet speaking to David as God speaks to Nathan. And God is saying to David in verse 16, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. 
your throne shall be established forever. And then as we read all, all these other scriptures, we see how the Messiah is in the Davidic covenant. That's who's going to come through the lineage of David. That's who God is talking about. And we see in the Gospel of Luke chapter 3, the genealogy of Jesus, and we see that he does descend from David. As we read about David, we see that he was really a prototype of the Messiah. He wasn't the Messiah, obviously. He was a prototype of the Messiah. And Messiah Jesus is called the son of David. One scripture showing that is Matthew 21, verse 9. As Jesus is making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, we read, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So even the people recognized that Jesus was in the lineage of David. He, the son of David, the son of God, that king who's going to, establish an eternal kingdom through the lineage of David, and that's Messiah Jesus. He is the one who will be the eternal king of promise, who will rule God's kingdom. Let's move on to the prophets, and we see the Messiah throughout the prophets as well. Again, this is a central theme of the Bible, obviously, because without the Messiah, we would have no hope of forgiveness. We would have no hope of being brought back to the Father. We would have no hope of eternal life with the Father. And the Bible being a story about God's redemption plan of man, there wouldn't be a redemption without the Messiah. So we're seeing the Messiah throughout Scripture. And it is so awesome to study that in the Old Testament because then when we study the New Testament, we see, wow, I read about Jesus actually back here in the Old Testament. So it's just fascinating to, to study, find a theme, and just study it throughout Scripture. And you'll see that theme develop as you go through Scripture. And to me, it just brings the New Testament alive even more. We see messianic prophecies throughout the prophets. Isaiah, for example, he is a major prophet telling of the coming Messiah. If you've never read Isaiah or if it's been a while, I encourage you to go back. What a fascinating, powerful book. Take your time reading it. There's just so much in there, so much good food to eat out of, out of Isaiah. Just uh, the meat of the gospel is, is in Isaiah, and it's just such a powerful book. encourage you to do that. And we're just going to skim it today as we look at the Messiah through the prophets. And we see that Isaiah, in Isaiah 7, verse 14, he prophesies about the Messiah's virgin birth. Let's read that. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We know Emmanuel means God with us, and yes, he is. He is with us, and he promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And Jesus even tells us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, when he gives the Great Commission, and in verse 20 there, he says, and I will be with you always. So Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And Isaiah, messianic prophecies that comes from Isaiah is just astounding. God was using Isaiah in such a powerful way then and now and for and forever. God's word is never going to change. God's word is never going to pass away. And these words from Isaiah are just so incredible. He predicts, as God tells him, the birth of the Messiah through a virgin, who would come up with something like that? Who could think of something like that? That's impossible, right? <laughs> but not with God. So only God could have given him that word about how 
Messiah Jesus would enter into the world. And then also in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we see Isaiah predicting the Messiah coming as a child. And so let's read that. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and we read, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Praise God. I know this scripture is read quite a bit during this time of year, but we should read it often because it is just amazing how God tells Isaiah how his son, the Messiah, is going to come into the world, and it happens exactly as God told Isaiah here as we read through the New Testament because we see the fulfillment in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, where we read, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now they weren't actually married at that point. It's uh, You have to know the context of the time that they were together. It was uh, kind of like a long engagement but he was going to marry her. It, it was all set, ready to be done, to be taken place. What was their marriage? But um, he decided, well, I'm not going to embarrass her. I'm not going to put her to shame. I'm just going to divorce her, separate from her quietly. But as he considered these things, verse 20, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the angel shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we see scripture being fulfilled right there in Matthew, as we had just read in Isaiah. And I love reading those messianic prophecies and then reading how they were fulfilled and that's a great study to do. Just look up messianic prophecies and then look in the New Testament for when they were fulfilled. And it's so intriguing and exciting, very exciting to me. We also see Isaiah prophesying the atoning death of the Messiah in Isaiah 53. And let's read some of that. Let's start in verse 3 where he writes, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one of whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and he was esteemed not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. 
By this knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for transgressors. When you read that, when I read Isaiah 53, I can see this taking place in the gospel because he wrote it exactly how it happened because God gave Isaiah this word and Isaiah wrote it. That was around 750 to 800 years before Jesus was even born. This was written about him. Then it happened. And we see the fulfillment of this prophecy in the Gospels in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. They all write about how Jesus bore our sins, how he was crucified. Jesus made an atonement for our sins once and for all. Never have to do it again, unlike the Levitical priests, as we talked about last week. They had Every year they had a day of atonement, and they would make a sacrifice to atone for the people's sins. Jesus made that atonement once and for all. Richard Schultz, who wrote the book, The Theological Interpretation of the Old Testament, he says this. He says, the book of Isaiah has had a profound effect on Judaism and the Christian church. The prophet Isaiah is often viewed as the most significant of ancient Israel's prophets. Furthermore, due to his well-known messianic prophecies, Isaiah has been known as the fifth gospel since early in the Christian era. That's why I said Isaiah is such a powerful book, and there's so much in it about the Messiah, so many messianic prophecies, and you can just start reading that, studying it, and studying the the prophecies, and then seeing their fulfillment in the New Testament. And of course, Isaiah is not the only prophet who prophesies about the Messiah to come, but we're not going to go in and look at each and every prophet and the prophecies that each one made about the Messiah, but we can summarize it. And I like how the late Reverend Jared Van Groenjen summarized the Messiah and the prophets. He wrote, Micah prophesied that the Messiah was to come through the royal Davidic seed line to shepherd his people and bring them security. Amos likewise proclaimed that the Messiah of Davidic lineage would fulfill Yahweh's covenant promises to the nations. Jeremiah prophesied of the Messiah, the one of Davidic lineage, who was to be the king of righteousness. It is Jeremiah who prophesied the new covenant that the Messiah will institute. Ezekiel called the exile attention to the Son of Man the covenant mediator who would restore and shepherd his people. The post-exilic prophets spoke of the Messiah as the royal, redeeming, restoring one to come. Malachi spoke of the Messiah as a cleansing agent who, as messenger of the covenant, would bring healing in his wings. I do want to read from Jeremiah where he prophesies of the new covenant that's to come. Jeremiah 31 Verses 31 through 34, we read, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor 
and teach his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Powerful scripture there, prophesying the new covenant that Jesus institutes in the New Testament. And we see that when he institutes the Lord's Supper. But the prophets, throughout all of them, the major and minor prophets, we see prophecies of the Messiah. And just real quick, why do they call them major and minor prophets? Are the majors more important than the minors? No. The major prophets, they're just longer books. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's why they're major prophets. They were all very important to what we know as the Bible today, as we know as the Old Testament of the Bible. In the writings, we see Jesus throughout the writings in the Old Testament. We're talking about Psalms and Proverbs and Job, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Songs, Ruth, Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel, Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles. We see Messiah throughout the writings, and especially in Psalms. Well, Psalms is such beautiful poetry, such beautiful literature. When we read it and we read how God is being worshipped and we see the struggles like with David, what he's going through, but how he keeps turning back to the Lord and asking the Lord and praising the Lord for helping him and bringing him through and protecting him and just praises sung unto the Lord. Because these Psalms, they were sung unto the Lord, each one of them. And we see messianic prophecies. We see the Messiah all in Psalms. Clinton McCann, a biblical scholar who did a lot of research on Psalms and wrote a lot of theology on Psalms, the following is what he wrote about Psalms and how it played an important role in the explanation of the Messiah to the early church in the New Testament. And he writes, In all probability, the early church continued to sing and pray the Psalms, but the extensive use of the Psalms in the New Testament indicates that they were also read as a source of illumination and instruction. In particular, the early church read the Psalms messianically, an interpretive practice that they had already begun in post-exilic Judaism. This makes sense since David's name is associated with 73 Psalms and since the Anointed One is featured in the book as early as Psalms chapter 2, verse 2, as well as Psalms 18, 20, 21, 45, 72, 89, 110, 132, and 144. In any case, it is clear that the early church could not understand or proclaim its faith in Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, without frequent use of the Psalms, especially Psalms 22, 32, and 69. Psalms 22 is such an intriguing psalm because it vividly describes how the Messiah would be crucified. And when you read that, remember this. It was written a thousand years before Jesus was born. 1,000 years before Jesus was born. And the crucifixion it was not even a known punishment at, that, at the writing of Psalms 22. That's, it's just fascinating when you read this and, and you're reading it and you're seeing Jesus on the cross right there in Psalms 22, 1,000 years before Jesus actually was born and then went to the cross 33 years later. John MacArthur, he says the New Testament contains 15 messianic quotations or illusions of Psalms 22. You can see that in a number of scriptures in Matthew and Mark, John, Luke, 
And he says this was leading some in the early church to label Psalms 22 as the fifth gospel. Remember when we were talking about the prophets, Isaiah, some call that the fifth gospel. Some call Psalms 22 the fifth gospel. Both are so vivid of Jesus, such a vivid picture, such a vivid prophecy of the Messiah and what Jesus is going to go through for us. We see verses within this psalm, Psalms 22, connected to Isaiah, to the Gospel of John, to Zechariah in the Old Testament. We see connections to Job and to another psalm, Psalms 102. So there's just a lot of connection with Psalms 22 to other books within the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. So just a fascinating study and Again, God showing us how he's weaving this redemption plan together throughout Scripture to redeem mankind, to bring us back into fellowship with him. Daniel, in Daniel, he sees a vision of the Messiah, and that's in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. So let's read that because it's another fascinating piece of Scripture where Daniel sees a vision. And again, Daniel is a powerful book, just I seem like I say that after each one, don't I? Because the whole Bible is so powerful. But Daniel, he he has his vision in chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. He writes, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That is just a very, very powerful scripture. And he's talking about, we know he's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of Man. And that term, that use of the Son of Man, it, it just it aligns with other Old Testament accounts of the Messiah. And Jesus himself refers to himself as the Son of Man a number of times throughout the Gospels. We, we can read it, for example, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. Jesus calls himself Son of Man around 69 times in the New Testament. Son of Man... It has a double meaning of human being and the exalted one in heaven. John Piper says Jesus used this title because it's an ordinary phrase for human beings. But those with ears to hear could hear Daniel chapter 7, in which he was claiming a very exalted role in history, in the history of redemption. Jesus meant to communicate both meanings. I agree with Mr. Piper. Jesus, he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of mankind. We see that message of redemption throughout Scripture of the Messiah who is to come. And he came, and he lived a perfect life, a life that you and I could not live. He fulfilled the law that we could not fulfill. And he took our sins. He bore our sins on the cross, and he died for you. He died for me. He was the perfect Lamb of God the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And he was buried for three days. His body was in that tomb. But on the third day, he came up out of that tomb. He rose again to defeat Satan, death, and sin, and to offer salvation to everyone who would believe. John three sixteen. 
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you have that eternal life today? Oh, I pray that you do. And if you don't, I encourage you to call on the name of the Lord today. Just pray something like this. Jesus, I need you. I know you are the Son of God, the one and only Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of mankind, and I need I need you. I need a Savior, and I confess my sins to you and ask you to forgive me of my sins, cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. I repent. I turn from my ways. I turn to you, Jesus. Fill me with your Spirit and help me to live for you day by day by day. I love you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Just pray something like that. Give your life to him and let him come in. Let him forgive you. Let him fill you with his spirit, with his presence, with his love, and start this new life. And if you've made that decision today, I encourage you to tell somebody. Tell somebody who you know is a good believer in the Lord. Or if you want to call us here at Love and Action, you can call 334-494-4995 or email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. God bless you. I hope you gave your life to the Lord today. And those of y'all who know Jesus, tell others about him. I say that pretty much every week because we've got to tell people about Jesus. People need an opportunity to hear the gospel and respond and give their lives to Jesus. Well, we are out of time. I just want to say thank you for joining me today. I pray you have a great week coming up. Remember, Jesus loves you. And I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.